0: To another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And you know, I feel like looking, listening back, and like editing the episodes. I've used doozy a lot lately, but I do genuinely feel like this is a doozy of a case, like a mind-boggling case. (laughs) That's a good word for it. I just thought of that on the spot. Mind I felt, boggling. I felt very accomplished with that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm excited. i one where you can easily go down a rabbit hole. So I'd kind of like reel myself in a little. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of information on this. And I guess I watched a 48 hours episode. 48 hours episode on it <laughs> and everything. <laughs> yeah I saw that there was a 48 hours episode but I did
1: not watch it so I'm excited to see what you got from that
0: yeah so I mean and I got most of what I got from that is also in like a lot of the articles but there's some tidbits that I gathered otherwise so we'll we'll kind of can't wait to share <laughs> yay uh, well, that's all I've got to start. Do you have anything else or should I just dive right on in? No, I think you can dive right in. Christian Andriacchio was a 21 year old living in Meridian, Mississippi and on the verge of becoming the youngest towboat captain on the Mississippi River where he was working at the time. Unfortunately, one night in 2014 would change the lives of many people, and the results would actually be the death of Christian. Was this a murder or a suicide? To this day, no one can agree. Before I dive into the events, I just want to say you know, said you had picked the Ellen Greenberg case, which I have heard other podcasts cover. Obviously, we know the struggle is, like, still ongoing with Ellen's family. I feel like this case parallels that a lot. <laughs> like, there's a lot of uh, very similarities when I was doing my research. So, it was really interesting to kind of, I just stumbled upon this case. And I think I have maybe heard of it before. But, you know, diving in the way I did was definitely a little more eye-opening. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with your statement about it paralleling with, like, the Ellen Greenberg case. That's 110% accurate.
0: And everyone who might not know this case is probably like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Probably. (laughs) But don't you worry, uh, I'm actually about to tell you. It was February 26, 2014, when a 911 call came in from Dylan Swearingen, who was Christian's best friend. On the call, Dylan said, That there was a suicide and upon arrival to Christian's apartment, first responders found Christian dead, leaning over the bathtub in the second story bathroom with a bullet wound to the right side of his temple. There was blood in the tub, so it did kind of support the way the scene looked at the time. There were two somewhat witnesses as well that were there, Dylan and Christian's live-in girlfriend, Whitley Goodman. They were not in the room at the time, but they were in the apartment. According to Dylan's statements, Christian had been acting erratically and had threatened to shoot himself, demanding Whitley tell him she loves him, when finally Dylan had taken the gun from him earlier. Whitley backed up most of the statements that Dylan was making. So, as for an investigation, there was really next to none initially. The scene was actually barely investigated, and many consider this to be another case that was botched, including the current police chief. He, like, was in the 48 hours and literally ripped the detectives about how this was a botched investigation. The investigators saw a gunshot wound to the right of Christian, right side of Christian's head and the statements by his friend and girlfriend, so essentially they left it at that. Any sort of on-scene investigation only lasted 45 minutes. The pictures that were taken on from the crime scene were cell (laughs) cell phone pictures. And so they were terrible quality in 2014. And also, the police chief in that 48 hours, like, that's another thing. He basically was like, that's garbage. Every investigator, like a detective, whatever, they're all issued a standard camera. So like the reason like there's no reason that they just use their cell phones except like they were dismissing it immediately as not a real investigation.
1: You'd think it'd be like kind of shady to just use your cell phone too.
0: Ah uh, yeah, <laughs> and like it's not like cell phones today. <laughs> no, like cell phones today are crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, my my cell phone is probably from like 2014, so okay that's true <laughs> Sin- for everyone who's wondering Sydney has like the iPhone 7
1: <laughs> it is I think it's a 6 or a 7 I think it's a 7 because I always say
0: I always like
1: dial it down by like two years. so I'm like I- my iPhone 5 doesn't stay charged I think it's a 7 though <laughs> <laughs> well there's a reason it doesn't stay
0: charged <laughs> So I will give it to investigators. I mean, Whitley and Dylan were at least brought in for questioning the night of Christian's death. So at least there's that. <laughs> uh, there was a red flag right away to the Andreaco Andriaco family as well. Uh, they were concerned with Christian's cell phone. They wanted his phone. Like obviously they were upset about everything that was going on and trying to figure out like, what's really happening but one thing the andriaccio family mentioned in the 48 hours was that they had sent one of their relatives or family friends or something maybe like one of the mom's brothers or whatever down to the police station and they were asking about christian's phone so during the questioning of whitley and dylan whitley was asked about christian's cell phone and initially she said she knew nothing about it didn't have it didn't know where it is she would eventually hand the phone over to police investigators, so like she had been lying and had the phone on her, which was like a red flag to the family. Um, the current district attorney, I will say, like had potential reason why she didn't want to give it over, and said, "Got to think like they're they're young, but they're adults." So, uh, there were a lot of graphic sexual text messages and pictures that were exchanged. And so that was like Whitley's justification to her and like to other investigators. Like supposedly she didn't want to hand over the phone because she didn't want those pictures getting out there, which is fair. Uh, Both Dylan and Whitley also had their hands tested for gunshot residue at the police station and both tested positive. Basically, your hands are only going to test positive if you were either holding the gun when it fired or you were, like, in the room. Um, But that doesn't match their statements. And sometimes if, like, the gun's fired and you pick it up within, like, 20 seconds, you might have that gunshot residue, too. So it's like if you're immediately holding the gun, but that's not matching up to their statements. Whitley did have an explanation for that as well. Uh, She was out shooting guns at target practice the night before with friends, she claimed. It's important to note one friend did back this up, but another friend that she claimed was also there said that that statement was false and they were not target practicing. So some conflicting statements. (laughs) However, both Dylan and Whitley were never even photographed so we're unsure if they had blood on them or like what their physical state was so like that's it <laughs> like that was the investigation that in a nutshell like that's what they came up with um kind of running down like a more detailed you know ch- timeline the statement of events Dylan gave He claims around 2, Christian had called him, urgently asking him for a ride home from St. Rose, Louisiana. Supposedly, Christian had found out that Whitley was cheating on him, and he was going home to kick her out. Um, And I think that was around 2 a.m. Anyways, upon arriving home, Christian and Whitley immediately started arguing when Christian took out a gun, put it to his head. And threatened to shoot himself. Dylan claims to have. Eventually taken the gun. Unloaded it. And hid it from Christian. And everyone kind of settled down. They ended up watching a couple movies. Supposedly. And then Dylan gave him his gun back. Which like. Not to bash. Not to judge. But like that was a huge. Also question to me. Because I think if one of my friends was. I mean I've been in situations where like I've. Been suicidal, and like my friends have, and like that's not, <laughs> we wouldn't just hand a gun back over, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but each their own, I guess. Dylan has claimed, or Dylan claims then that after that he had left to run another errand, and at that point, Whit- Whitley was like settling in on the couch for a nap, and then when he returned, he found Christian upstairs in the bathroom and he knew he was dead. This was around 4 in the afternoon, 4.45, I think, when the 911 call was made. He is adamant that he found Christian, not Whitley. And Dylan also gave investigators a better, like, peek into Whitley and Christian's relationship, telling them Christian did not trust her and that he would send Dylan to check on her or spy on her often to see what she was doing. That the couple would fight constantly and things like that. Also, since Christian worked on a boat, he was gone for, like, long periods of time or would be gone for days at a time, 10 days since, things like that. So, it does kind of make sense that he would <laughs> send a friend when he's not there. It's not like he's home every day. You know what I mean? So, if you don't trust – I'm not saying it makes sense because that's a little <laughs> – a little much but <laughs> if you're not there, you know what I mean and that's how you feel. He's not there every day is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Whitley's story is slightly different. Uh she was actually asked in the interview multiple times if Christian was ever suicidal and she adamantly said no. So if there was something going on that day, she did not bring it up. She told friends and first responders that she was the first one to find Christian, but at the police station, she told investigators Dylan was. In fact, she claimed that she was asleep on the couch and slept through the gunshot and everything and didn't know until Dylan got back. Uh, Another fun fact, roughly four hours before Dylan made the 911 call around noon that day, he was actually at the bank. Uh, <laughs> the bank where Christian has an account and he was there with Christian's debit card, trying to withdraw his money. Uh, Dylan claimed that Christian gave him his debit card and told him to withdraw all of his money. And he was going to give it to Dylan, which is like startling. Um, I would say if a friend did that, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? What's wrong? Are you okay? Um, so, that was a little startling. However, Dylan did not have his PIN number, so he ended up leaving empty-handed. I, all I'm going to say is that seems like a bit of a red flag to me. I know, like, my boyfriend and I talked about it. When we first started dating, and I'd send him, like, oh, you can go, like, I'll pay for it if he's going to pick up food or something. And i give him my PIN number. Yes. Like, so, I actually know his pin number now and he knows mine. But like you like if I you give someone your card, you tell them your pin number. So I thought that was a little strange, especially sending someone to the bank where it's not like you can just use your debit card as credit. <laughs> I agree with that statement because same with like like
1: my boyfriend as well. His pin number, I've also like taken one of my coworkers card before to go grab food and then came back and like she gave me her pin number. Like I Feel like there's never been that disconnect, you know. You,
0: right. <laughs> the disconnect is usually if someone gave me the pin and I forgot the pin number. But then uh, I feel like it would be like uh, an easy, like, hey, can I have your, I forgot your pin number. Yeah, there's like it would have been call. a little bit, I wouldn't have left. I would have called
1: someone Correct. or sent a text <laughs> message because it's even like if you leave, then I feel like it looks.
0: Just a a little off. Yeah. So the night of the murder, it was initially ruled undetermined. uh, And after the autopsy, it was ruled a suicide. So investigators essentially closed the case. Four months after Christian's death, a new police chief got involved and decided to investigate. That's the police chief who I said was on the 48 hours. They sent the gun from the crime scene to the crime lab and there were actually no fingerprints on the gun at all which like as a suicide there should have definitely been Christian's prints on the gun like he was not wearing gloves but somehow that gun had been wiped down so that's like a red flag They also noticed the blood spatter was off in the bathroom uh, there wasn't sp- blood spatter <laughs> I can't speak. There wasn't blood splatter next to his head on the walls as there should have been, suggesting someone like tampered or at least cleaned up the scene. So that was like another red flag that doesn't kind of match up with the statements given. Over time though, according to the district attorney. Multiple agencies would get involved that would investigate and all agree that Christian's death was determined to be a suicide. I would like to point out that was a comment she had made in the 48 Hours episode, um, but that's not accurate based off of everything else that was brought up in the 48 Hours episode. As I said, the police chief does not think it's a straightforward murder or actually a suicide, he does not agree either way. He thinks it was an accidental like homicide or manslaughter (laughs) is kind of what he thinks. Uh, He also passed along this investigation after he had dug dug into it and kind of couldn't go any further. He passed it along to a 30-year veteran uh, captain on the Meridian Police Force. His name's Captain Arrington, who looked everything over on his own And actually came up with the conclusion of homicide. So there is a lot of conflicting opinions when reviewing the evidence. I just want to emphasize that because some people claim, and I'll get to it in a second or later on about other statements made, but a lot of people claim it's open and shut suicide. That's not an agreement. (laughs) And including investigators don't agree. So I just want to emphasize that.
1: So, depending on whose article you read or whose case or who's information who's talking, you read, yeah. yeah, then you'll hear one version compared to another.
0: Interesting. Yeah, like, I I put that in my notes, and then I kept adding, like, no, not everyone agrees to that. Like, not all investigators. Because at first, I was, like, under the impression it was just, like, the investigators thought this, but it doesn't match. Sure. You know, like, Ellen Greenberg... I've never really seen investigators come back or like people who investigated it for the police department and said, absolutely, this is a homicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is part of what happens here. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Christian's family heavily disagrees with the thought of this being suicide. Uh, they point out that Christian has never struggled with mental health issues or suicidal thoughts before. Um, I would also like to say with him being 21, the parents might not necessarily know. Um, So I'm sure we're all at this time and point in our lives very familiar with, like, famous people who have killed themselves or, you know, might know someone who has killed themselves. And it's not always the case that someone so blatantly struggled with mental health issues or had suicidal thoughts. So that's my caveat, I will add. They did add that there were things in his life going very well um, with work. And according to the family, overall, from their knowledge, you know, everything in his relationship, too, despite their concerns, (laughs) kind of taking it back to the before these events. At one point in time prior to the events, Whitley had moved in with the Andreacchio family. Uh, Originally, they actually really loved her. They said uh, they thought she was quiet. She was cute. You know, the dad said, you know, Christian really liked her and had spoke really highly of her. So that's like all we really needed. <laughs> um, however, as time went on, family became very uncomfortable with her staying there. Said she was showing signs of jealousy over exes and for Christian's attention and things that just started bugging them. So it actually came to the point where the family decided Whitley could not stay there anymore. That is when Christian decided, well, you know, if she can't stay here, I don't want to stay here. Like, no offense, but I'm going to go where she goes. And so they got their own apartment. Uh, families of the young couple started seeing some other issues as well. Christian's parents made it very clear that they thought Whitley was using him for his money. Uh, she had dropped out of high school and from my knowledge, wasn't working at the time. He had paid for the apartment. He let her use his car, which was like a BMW, all the time because he was constantly gone and on the boat. He'd give her money, buy her clothes, things like that. So the family, like, really was wary of her at this point in time. Uh, Whitley's mother also was not a fan of their relationship. She said that she was really thinking it was becoming to the point or coming to the point where, like, Christian was very controlling. She said that Whitley had told her she would have to be on the phone for hours and hours with Christian while he was away on the boat. So he would know what she was doing and who she was with at all times, which I will also say kind of tracks because of what Dylan had said that, like, Christian didn't trust her. Uh, So interesting, you know. Both sides of it. (laughs) Eventually the parents uh, of Christian did hire and pay for their own investigators and that would eventually build up to a small team of sorts to work on various parts of the case and the investigation. One of these was a forensic pathologist who also firmly believes that this was a homicide. So some things that he pointed out in the 48 hours episode is one, the placement of the gun at the crime scene and on the, in the crime scene photos is on the left side, kind of by Christians, like left knee, which does not make sense if he shot himself with his right hand and on his right side of his head, um, which the bullet wound was on the right side. So, um definitely a red flag (laughs) usually it would just kind of drop to the side he also believes the scene was staged so i mentioned that like the police chief thought that as well from the blood spatter and that is what this pathologist brings up as well as the bullet supposedly hit or nicked the wall by the sink on the opposite side of the bathroom But then the bullet is found in the bathtub. So it makes it seem like it was moved. So that's like another thing he points out. And also the coroner put the time of death at about 345. But the pictures from the crime scene show that Christian's body was actually in advanced rigor mortis at that time. Which basically means he would have been dead for several hours. perhaps even before dylan went to the bank with his debit card so that's interesting Ooh. yes
1: <laughs> now, another red
0: flag has raised correct now i will say that this is just speculation um i think i bring up captain errington's findings oh i don't go into depth about it but One of the things Captain Arrington brings up is he also thinks that Dylan was dead a lot longer than what the coroner said. Um, But going off of the coroner's report is really all they have. So I thought that was interesting. But according to these separate investigations and these private investigators, They all thoroughly agree that there was definitely someone else involved in shooting Christian. So that's all they said. Um, Obviously, that could be manslaughter, like homicide, however you put it. Uh, But they definitely think that someone else was involved. I also saw that there were some text messages coming from Christian's phone that day as well, threatening to kill himself. Now, before I go into these, uh, Christian's mom did speak with him that morning. I think his mom or his dad, one of his parents spoke with him around seven or eight in the morning. They actually were talking about, I don't know if you remember this, Sydney. It was back when Eminem and Rihanna were going on tour together. (laughs) Yes, because I really wanted to go and I didn't go. Well, they... The parent, whatever parent had called, Christian had mentioned that. And Christian's like, oh, let me look up tickets. Like, I'll definitely get us tickets. We're all, like, we're going. (laughs) So, you know, especially planning for the future, he never mentioned anything bad. He had, like, talked to his parents about, you know, he was on this trip, like, whatever. So, very interesting if, you know, hours before he had called. Dylan to come pick him up, he like did did not mention it to his parents at all. So like I said, text coming from Christian's phone. Now the Andreacchio family disagrees that they mentioned, you know, the phone was in Whitley's possession at the time of the police questioning. So maybe the texts were planted. Maybe the texts had been sent earlier in the day after something horrible had gone wrong. However, the district attorney actually came back and said they were able to verify that those texts were sent from the towboat that day due to location services. So, from everything that they can tell, Christian did send out the texts where he was threatening to kill himself over Whitley cheating on him. Um, Now, I will also say, we don't know for sure if she was cheating on him. (laughs) That was just, he thought that's what he had found out. In 2017, there were actually arrest warrants written for Dylan and Whitley due to Captain Arrington's findings in the investigation. So, when they passed it, you know, the police chief passed it along to that 30 year veteran. He did a deep dive, you know, looked into everything, and he was convinced that they were involved. The arrest warrants were actually written for manslaughter by culpable negligence. Basically, meaning they unintentionally caused the death of Christian due to having no regards for his safety. So, a manslaughter charge, not like a homicide charge. However, those warrants were never served. And Dylan and Whitley would never be arrested. In February of 2017, so I think that happened like early January, Uh, In the following month, the Mississippi State Attorney General was actually handed this case from the county prosecutor at the time. It's important to note that this was before the current district attorney. So the one who's in the 48 Hours episode, she even mentions it like she's the one dealing with this all now, but a lot of what happened was prior to her coming into this role, which is gonna come up to be important later. (laughs) So, that was handed over in February and October of that year, 2017. The state attorney general decided to present the case to a grand jury and see if they could come up with indictments for Dylan or Whitley, Uh, but the grand jury actually chose not to indict. The captain, Captain Arrington, who investigated and wrote the, or, I can't talk. Arrest warrants was actually not allowed to be at the grand jury summons or testify, which he said to this day he finds extremely strange. Like I said, he's a veteran police detective, so um, definitely interesting he was not present. Uh, Both Whitley and Dylan have avoided (laughs) any interviews or making any comments to the press. I would say fair. (laughs) I would also probably avoid it. Um, It's very fair. Yes. (laughs) I will say I thought it was really interesting that their moms did cooperate with 48 hours. Um, All they really did is both of them say, you know, they claim their children are innocent, which is really not shocking. Uh, They all talk, both parents talk about, you know, both their kids have struggled. Both their kids are grieving. You know, even the the moms say, you know, we knew Christian. We loved him too, like he was family to our families um so i will say you know (laughs) unfortunately if it is actually truly a suicide a lot of lives have been ruined in in this no matter what you know what i mean so um very interesting um In August of 2020, I do think it's interesting also to note that Whitley did make some comments to 48 Hours. So, they weren't interviewing her. She actually agreed to at least be photographed with her mother for pictures or, you know, like little video clips for the 48 Hours episode. Dylan did too, but he did not speak with anyone. Um when they went to go photograph whitley and her mother she actually decided she wanted to read a poem uh here are a couple lines that she had said in the poem it was played in the 48 hours episode i miss who i was the person i once was allowed to be before the anxiety the pain and the notoriety and another line was oh it has been such a war I guess it's me who we should hate. I'll be everyone's escape. Uh, seemingly implies she is a victim in all of this. And it was summarizing the traumatic things she has gone through since Christian's passing. Um, I'm not going to comment on this. I will say it was an interesting take. Um, Like I said, she did not take any questions. She really only read the poem. Um, And even the 48 Hours cast from everything I've read was, like, pretty shocked because she had been adamant in denying any um, interviews previously. Uh, Prior to this, in June of 2019, a podcast, Culpable, started covering the case well. Uh, They actually brought nationwide attention to the case and the injustices there were. Which resulted in a lot of backlash to Whitley, Dylan, the police force of Meridian, and the district attorney. So, as I mentioned, it's really unfortunate since the district attorney is fairly newer to this case. Um, in the 48 hours, and I'm going to talk about it again in a little bit, but she mentions like she is getting, like she has received verbal, physic- and, like verbal threats <laughs> and online threats and virtual threats to her family and her home and like a lot of like really messed up stuff. You know, she's married, she has kids, like it is pretty unfair. So I just want to bring that up. But culpable offered a hundred thousand dollar reward for any information leading to a conviction on this case, but it's actually yet to be claimed. And then my last like piece of the investigation is that in August of 2020, so only about a year and a half ago. Uh, Captain Arrington's report was officially made public that basically stated that until sufficient evidence is found to cl- clearly determine the matter of death for Christian. It is very apparent it should be ruled as a homicide. Um, this was during the 48 hours investigation that this report had come out or right before they started investigating. Um, the report basically says you know there's a lot of evidence that could support a suicide and but there's an overwhelming amount that supports a homicide. Uh 48 hours learned that this was not reported to the grand jury and it was never presented to the grand jury this report by this police investigator. So that's like a huge red flag because obviously if this police investigator thinks it's obviously a homicide that should have been presented back in 2017 Uh, and that's this sorry sorry, that's the same police investigator
1: that they wouldn't allow in on that grand jury correct (laughs) so that to me is like holding information like they're withholding information that should have been presented and they didn't give him the opportunity to even be there to yeah say xyz
0: or like they were like, oh, most of the police force believe, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just yeah. one of these people. I don't know what the district attorney was thinking at the time or well, it was, you know, the attorney general of the state was thinking at the time, but not a good look. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, District Attorney Coleman, who, would like I mentioned, that's the current DA, she had told 48 Hours that if this report was somehow not presented and she discovered that, she would absolutely reconvene the case for a grand jury presenting that new information and see if they would get a different indictment. Um, 48 hours reached out to her, you know, while they're wrapping the case and, but as it's about to air. <laughs> so they added this in there at the end, but they reached out to her and she is really interested in reconvening. But actually the Andreacchio family are not a big fan of her as well. And they said that they do not trust her to present the case, which she acknowledges. She's very respectful. Um, there's There was currently an appeal for an appointment of a new district attorney pending in court before like the next steps and that was as of september 2021 i haven't seen any updates so that they were trying to settle that before a new grand jury was convened so that's like the biggest thing with the case um <laughs> i've tried to be really neutral <laughs> i mentioned it to sid before but um, I do also want to bring up to all of you that in 2020, Jet Miller and Whitley Goldman filed defamation lawsuits against not only the podcast "Culpable," but the Andreacchio family, uh, an investigator who worked on the case and actually talked about it at CrimeCon, like in 2019, and 50 other John Does were listed. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes, it was like a, it was due to claims that Whitley killed Christian and was requesting forty seven million dollars due to the slander and emotional distress. And they were also requesting to shut down the Justice for Christian Facebook page that the parents run. This is like one thing I mentioned that, you know, depending on who you talk to, Whitley's attorney was interviewed for a split second towards the end of the 48 hours, and he had mentioned like oh when's the family just gonna let it go this is very clearly like investigators have ruled this as a suicide i will say just because it's currently ruled as a suicide i would disagree that it's not very clearly investigators have ruled this as a suicide like i just presented all of this information i don't know what i think i think it's sketchy and it definitely deserves to be looked at thoroughly
1: (laughs) yeah there's definitely some items that are kind of like open-ended and like that might lead you somewhere else. I wouldn't say that it's just, you know, very black and white at all. There's yeah. some gray, definitely some gray areas in here that we're not a hundred percent on. And that having someone else take a look at or investigation I don't feel like would be coming out of left field.
0: Correct. So, I mean, it's very apparent that Andrea family and Whitley and her family, they do not get along. They do not like each other at this point in time. Very fair. (laughs) Um, I cannot see anything that has happened with this case since 2020. I've tried to dig. I couldn't find anything that has, like, been brought up. Um, But I do find it interesting. And actually, here's why. So, I'm sure you're very aware of this, Sydney. Oh, God. In a defamation lawsuit. The burden varies, but in this specific case, if it went to a trial and like a pre- presentation in front of like the judge, Whitley has to prove that she did not kill Christian or is not responsible for his death in any way to prove that the family is causing like is is speaking ill of her. Sure. And I'm not sure how that would work. Um, like I said, I know it's labeled as a suicide, so maybe that's enough. Maybe with the text sent, the family could argue that she was somehow at least responsible or culpable in, in some way of his death, even if it is a suicide. Um, I think that there are a lot of things that don't add up that in a trial, if she would have to be questioned and the family has claimed she's never really answered all of their questions, I think it would be interesting. Uh, and it's also very interesting because in civil trials. The court records are not sealed. You can then use these records to indict (laughs) in a criminal trial. I mean, we'll just reference Bill Cosby was indicted after a civil trial. Like, he claimed he did unmentionable things to a woman and settled in a civil lawsuit. And the things that he said in that trial and were said by other people were used against him in a criminal trial. Yeah. So, I just, I thought that was extremely interesting. I don't know if maybe it's just been, like, it hasn't even seen the court yet, or, like, they were hoping that some people might just be willing to settle. I have no idea. Um, and but I thought it was really interesting.
1: That's a good point, too, because I feel like with civil cases, especially, like, there's a decent amount of cases that, you know, filing that lawsuit is, like, almost let me get your attention. And, like, this is just, like, yes. a very general statement, like, that they're looking to settle the case or, like, settle out of trial outside of court. They don't want to necessarily go to trial. Like, they want to do all of this. They want to get someone's attention and have it get handled outside of the courtroom.
0: And that so, could possibly be it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that would be realistic.
0: We're also, like, <laughs> speaking on this, and I don't know if you've been following, but there's a very <laughs> majorly publicized Johnny uh, Depp. defamation case <laughs> right now uh, where everything is coming to light for the public, too. And I'm sure it's a little different because it is someone like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard who are, like, in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure in the true crime world, if this does go to trial, we would see a lot more on what's going on.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I am I'm. I'm... 100% positive that that would be the case.
0: I have some fun facts, but was there anything you wanted to add before I get to those?
1: <laughs> I guess the only thing that I wanted to comment on is because I love to play devil's advocate on everything. Oh,
0: I know you do. <laughs>
1: so, Peyton had mentioned, you know, the poem that Whitley had given, and I think that there's two sides to that. Um, obviously, it was kind of open-ended, um, but... Looking at it from a grieving perspective, you know people grieve in different ways. People do crazy things when they're grieving, and that's a coping mechanism for them. So
0: that could be that. I 100% will agree, and that's why, like, I don't want to say one way or the other what I think. No, because honestly, I don't, I don't know what I think. Um, I think the Andreacchio family. You know what they think now, and what they thought seven years ago might be a little different. Um, Agreed. And I'm not that close to the investigation, too, or like emotionally invested as the family is, obviously. So, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I can say, if for the last seven years, Whitley has her whole life has been turned upside down. I mean, from what I read, you know, she can't hold down a job, and you know, she has. Been deleting social media every, like every time, like every few months or whatever, because people like are harassing her. I mean, if un like if let's say the scenario was Christian killed himself, then God forbid that not only is Christian's life ruined and his whole family, and was that tra- traumatic for his girlfriend at the time, who will obviously I'm I don't know if you've ever lost someone to suicide. I I have. I have a friend who unintentionally killed themselves. and that's something that like for years I had to deal with that like maybe I could have done something. you know what I mean? So all of that that Dylan and Whitley already had to carry and then everyone's blaming her, I mean, unfortunately, if that is the scenario, like I said, many lives have been ruined. <laughs> absolutely. And that's me trying to play devil's advocate as well, which you won't usually hear very often. <laughs> usually I'm I'm quick to judge
1: (laughs) I think it's very very important to note because it is one of those things that everyone I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to the way that people cope with certain scenarios and you know I've I've never had a situation where someone I was living with like that had passed and especially in like a very dramatic traumatic manner like that um I think that would definitely, no matter what the case is, leave a hole in your heart.
0: I bring this up. I feel like I bring this case up all the time, and it's, like, my (laughs) hot ticket item, and I'd probably have millions of people come for me. Uh, (sighs) my, My mom, actually, I said this to my mom once and she was ready to fight me, but, like, the Scott Peterson and Lacey Peterson case, I literally listened to another podcast episode today that covered it, and even the person who covered it, she said like, look, you're not going to like him, but I'm not convinced he did it either. So like weird, <laughs> uh, That, sorry. That's my hot take. I, I'm not convinced, um, but you don't like him and you don't like the way he grieves and all that stuff. But like, you know, people like the media ran with like him laughing at one of her visuals with like his niece or something like that. And like, okay well you're still a human like you know what I mean so like just because not everyone yeah. grieves the same way doesn't mean that necessarily is a red flag so I do 100% get what you're saying I just had to link the it medial... to that case again
1: <laughs> no that's that's fine the media will always find a way to 100 tra- transcribe it into whatever story
0: they want that day like so no like matter why what it I... is I... I've tried to be, like, really neutral, and that's, like, one of my fun facts is, like, you know, social media and internet sleuths are sometimes a good thing, sometimes not, and I really firmly believe that this is a case where, like, it hasn't been a good thing. Like, the spread of this case all throughout social media has relaxed, like, has resulted in the harassment of the Andreacchio family. Like, they've gotten threats, and people are, like, talking about, How, like, in-depth about how their son killed himself, like, in their, like, throwing it in their faces, trying to discredit them, the district attorney, Whitley and her mother, Dylan, his family. Like, there are so many people that have been harassed, and, like, that's, like, my little PSA that it's, like, never okay (laughs) to just, like, harass someone, like... It's
1: definitely not okay.
0: I don't know. I think that's another big reason I was trying to, like, stay so, like, middle-grounded in this. Because then I was like, damn, i probably harass people <laughs> by, the like, dumb shit I've said in other episodes. <laughs> and I don't, like, that's not what I mean. You know what I mean? I just must have felt strongly.
1: You're saying what was on your mind at that point. But you're not putting, I guess, those other factors, like, into consideration. Correct. Which, I mean, I feel like everyone's guilty of that, unfortunately i've definitely been guilty of that as a web sleuth myself but i don't actually like go and comment to people i comment on like our local police scanner page like why is someone at walmart throwing candles like i do that but like i'm not commenting on like real life things like
0: no sydney just gets (laughs) blocked from celebrities girlfriends
1: yeah okay I do it to people I'm I'm not doing it to people that I, that was you know, a long time ago to be fair it was a long time ago but I'm still fucking blocked so she must still feel some type of way she still hates you but in case anyone was curious my name must have come up in that household so <laughs> oh yeah and I when I broke up with Channing Tatum via Twitter but that's you know that's. But uh, that was another, funny. That was for an- another day. But someone called me a web sleuth for that, probably. Harassment. To I don't. Know. I
0: thought that one was for sure funny. I
1: thought that was funny <laughs> as hell.
0: So I actually have two more little. Tidbits, real quick. So, the parents mentioned how, you know, everything has been out of control, social media. And for example, I guess Christian's autopsy photos were downloaded online over 20,000 times, is what the mom mentioned in the 48 hours episode, uh, which is a lot. And obviously, she's talking about like the traumatic part of like opening Facebook and like seeing an article about it or like seeing people share the autopsy photos, which is like horrifying. Because an autopsy is not pretty. Uh, So as a result of this, the Andreacchios actually lobbied and had a law named after their son. So Christian's law passed as of July 2021. It does restrict the public's access to autopsy photos in the state of Mississippi, which I don't think is a bad thing. (laughs) And then uh, just like my ending note here is. Christian's parents spoke very highly of him as most parents would and should. Uh, His father said he was on his way to becoming a very good man, husband, and father, which he has now missed out on seeing. His mother describes Christian as charismatic, always smiling, loving to be the center of attention growing up. She said he would always flirt with people despite their age and enjoyed making everyone feel special. Uh, Christian was hardworking, responsible, independent, and a good person, and that is how he should be remembered. The family also is now running a nonprofit in Christian's name, helping provide shoes and clothing to children in need, especially those in the system. Uh, our sort, One of my sources is called the Magnolia Sun or magnoliasun.com. That's the website for the nonprofit. And on that page, people can share memories, photos, and stories, which is like, overflowing with stories and love for Christian that people have submitted, which, again, I really think speaks volumes to who he was. And that is all I have. (laughs) I just talked a lot.
1: (laughs) No, that was good. That was great. I'm really happy to always end on a, a piece to tell a little bit more about, you know, these unsolved cases like to tell a bit about that that person and what they were like I think it gets a little bit more Yes, I don't know I I don't know what the right word is for that you know I I mean
0: I do know what you mean and I was really glad I could find that like so much information about who he was so it's always the hardest thing to find I feel like agreed
1: (laughs) or it's way too easy And also, I highly
0: recommend, you know, checking out that website or the 48 Hours episode. Even the first, like, five minutes, there's tons of pictures and video clips of him, like, as a kid. And it's, like, you can just see he loves being the center of attention. He's such a goofball and just, like, love to make people laugh kind of person.
1: I love that. I'm going to have to go check that out. Highly recommend. (laughs) Definitely have to check that out after this.
0: So you got a joke and a fact for me then?
1: I do. What do you want first?
0: Um let's go fact first.
1: Okay. So we got a we got a holiday coming up, so I had to make sure to note on this. So Cinco de Mayo actually commemorates the anniversary of Mexico's victory over the French Empire during the Battle of Puebla in 1862. Which I thought that Cinco de Mayo was just, like, a bullshit holiday to celebrate and drink margaritas. So I'm happy that there's actually something behind it.
0: Yes. I knew it was a battle. I didn't know it was the battle of, I think it's Puebla.
1: <laughs> Puebla.
0: <laughs> but I didn't know. And I totally forgot this episode comes out two days before Cinco de Mayo. Clearly, I'm a bad tacos and tequila <laughs> member. <Duh. laughs>
1: My boyfriend's birthday is on Cinco de Mayo. That's how I always remember.
0: <laughs> oh snap! I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah.
0: I did know He was a Taurus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> very spot on, but
1: <laughs> very well, much so.
0: Those are interesting. That's um. I'm glad you shared that because now I'm sure not everyone knows. Wh- I didn't know what battle it was. I just knew it was some sort of independence.
1: <laughs> I didn't know nothing on, about anything. So. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is
0: great. (laughs) All right, hit me with a joke. What
1: did the sombrero say to the poncho? What? You hang in there and I'll go on ahead. (laughs) Because the poncho (laughs) hangs and the sombrero goes on your head? I hate you. Guys, it was slim, slim pickings out there. We're really, we're gonna have to get another topic for jokes soon. Yeah, <laughs> we dad, have to switch up the. It's ending. just gonna
0: have to be like dad jokes, <laughs> just any dad jokes about anything. Maybe we got a link in some sort of tacos and tequila. So we'll think about it. <laughs> have to be a mix somehow. Yeah, <laughs> that was
1: it. Wasn't bad. <laughs> I'll try harder next time. <laughs>
0: Um real quick this comes out we actually were recording prior to Vegas and CrimeCon so stay tuned to our social media or hopefully you've checked it out or coming soon we'll have more content for you um yes. and speaking of which you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila podcast
1: on Instagram at just tacos and Tequilia.
0: We also have a website, TacosandTekaliaPodcast.com. I also think we have information on there about our TikTok page, so you can find that too.
1: (laughs) And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure that you leave a rating and or a review to help us get noticed. And it's just really cool to see
0: those numbers go up. Yeah, it really is. Um, I think that's all we have, right? I think so. Sweet. Well then, we will talk to you guys next week and enjoy your Cinco de Mayo. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>